the Great Commission. What do you think of when I say the Great Commission? And for pretty much every Christ follower, uh, if they're familiar with it somewhat, they'll think of a passage in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, called the Great Commission. And what's interesting is it's probably one of the greatest missions myths that we have as Christians, but Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is not just the Great Commission. But if you ask a Christ follower, tell me the Great Commission, and if they know anything about this book, they're going to say Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And so this morning, I just want to unpack this idea of what is the Great Commission. And there's something about the last words that someone says to you. So I don't know if you've ever had a loved one die and you were there or just you had someone who died and you, you try to remember the last thing they said. Uh, my wife and I were walking around Barnes & Noble on date night because we were bored and um, we picked up a book. I saw a book that said Famous Last Words and so I opened it and one guy that I turned to said, I'm not sick. And uh, I just thought that was funny because obviously he was. When my sister passed away, I remember my mother telling me, you'll never believe the last words she said to me. And so as my mom unpacks that for me, my sister has, has been dead for a few years now, but still every time I see my mom and we talk about my sister, she always brings up her last words. Not much about her first words, not much about in between, but there's something about last words that nothing really falls to the floor. And so, when you think about Jesus and you think about this idea of he was crucified in Jerusalem and he rose from the dead in Jerusalem, but he ascended in Jerusalem as well. And most Christians don't realize this, it's kind of, maybe sometimes I take it for granted, but between his resurrection and his ascension, between this gap, do you remember how many days there were? Do you remember how many days there were between his resurrection and the ascension? And of course, Acts 1-3 tells us that during the resurrection of the ascension, he presented himself alive to them after suffering many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of heaven. So here you have, during the resurrection, before the ascension, there was a period of 40 days. Now, we don't have a ton of information of what he did during those 40 days. Actually, during these 40 days, 1 Corinthians gives us a small peek into it. 1 Corinthians said he was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and he appeared to Peter, and then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500, then he appeared to James, his brother, then to the other apostles, and last of all, he appeared to Paul who was writing this. So here's one small little breadcrumb into during those 40 days what he did. He was appearing and validating himself as being the Messiah. Again, in John, we see another little breadcrumb of what he did during these 40 days. He actually made the disciples breakfast. And he did that to show them, hey, I'm a real person. I'm not a ghost. I, I, I feel my hands and my feet. When they got on the land, he saw a charcoal fire in a place and the fish laid on the, the bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew that Jesus, it was Jesus who came and took the bread and gave it to them. 
So again, we don't have a ton of information of what he did during these 40 days. Now, again, there's something so important about the last words. There's something so important about the last words someone says. Jesus did ministry for three years. During those three years, he talked about sin, salvation, the afterlife, heaven, hell, forgiveness, debt. He talked about all these things. But during the last 40 days, the most important moments he'll ever have with the disciples, put your ear down to the text and listen as you hear the last words of the Savior. Now, what I did is I took 22 minutes of my life because that's all it took. I took 22 minutes of my life and I pulled out Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in Acts chapter 1. I looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all I did is I pulled out the texts that were during these 40 days. So Matthew 27 and 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, Acts 1. What of those passages were during the 40 days? Because I wanted to pull out what Jesus said. I got about 126 verses, not many, but I got about 126 verses. And I pulled all those out, and I got them on a big piece of paper. These are the last words during the 40 days. And then what I did is I scrapped everything that wasn't the actual words of Jesus. How did I know what were the words of Jesus? They were in red. So I took out everything black, and all I did is I had a huge list of what was in red. And I took those verses, and I categorized them. And I was astonished what I found in my 22-minute study. Five verses were him telling the disciples to fear not. Don't be afraid. Seven verses was him trying to tell Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Four verses was him trying to convince Mary he wasn't the gardener. Everything else, everything else, after that, fell into the final category that I labeled the Great Commission text. Everything else I labeled the Great Commission text. So, when you look here, you see the crucifixion and resurrection in Jerusalem. You have the ascension. You have 40 days, about 120 verses, but roughly only about 38 verses or so that are actually of Jesus speaking during these 40 days. Let's take a journey and find out what was on his heart during these 40 days. And what I want to do is I want to lay out this. I'm going to show you the Great Commission texts in chronological order as Jesus revealed them to the disciples. And as I do this, you're going to figure out, oh my goodness, each one builds on the other. Repeat. I'm going to show you in chronological order the five Great Commission texts revealed by Jesus to the disciples. And we're going to go on a journey with them. And we're going to listen to his last words as if they were to us. And as we do that, you're going to see how each one builds upon the other. The first Great Commission text in chronological order, as Jesus told it to the disciples, takes place in John 20. In John 20, on the evening of that day, the day of the resurrection, 
On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the disciples were freaking out. They did not know what to do. Their Savior, their Messiah, their leader was dead in a grave. They went back to the upper room. Why? Because that's the last place they broke bread with Jesus. It was the safest place for them. They were hidden in Jerusalem in an upper room. On that day, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. They were afraid. Jesus came and said, and here's one of the categories, don't be afraid. Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. Now, there were two people not present, two disciples were not present at this meeting. There weren't 12 disciples there, there were 10. What two disciples were not there? We're told Thomas is not there, we don't know why. And we're told Judas is not there because he found a rope and hung himself. So, on our order, on our little timeline here, if you're tracking with me, on the night of the resurrection, Jesus, early on that night, gives the John 20, 21 commissioning. So, if you want to timeline this out, you're welcome to. Early on, on the night of the resurrection, Jesus gives the first Great Commission text, John 20, 21, and let's just repeat the Great Commission text and unpack it. The first Great Commission text Jesus tells the disciples is this, as the Father sent me, so am I sending you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. Now think about this. What does this mean? As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. This is the shortest of all the commissioning texts. You know that. This is the shortest of all the commissioning texts. And, 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 and what's interesting about this commissioning is here Jesus is, he's standing there, and he says to the disciples, everything you see, everything you've been a part of for the last three years was not my decision. The Father initiated salvation by sending me. And as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. What that means is this, if you're a Christ follower in here with a pulse, the question is not, am I sent? The question is, to where? If you're a Christ follower in here, the question is not, am I sent? The question is, to where? Now, when you look at all five Great Commission texts given in chronological order, John 20, 21 is the shortest of all of them. Why? Because the disciples are freaking out. They just saw their risen Lord. So the first Great Commission text in chronological order is found in John, as the Father sent me, so am I sending you. It's not a question of am I sent, it's to where. Now the second Great Commission text in chronological order, Jesus leaves the upper room that night and we're told in Luke 24 that he, he on the first day of the week at early dawn, he went to the, they went to the tomb taking the spices and they found the stone rolled away. Jesus actually goes to these two men on the road to Emmaus. Some of you might be familiar with that story. He has a conversation with them, and then he goes back to the disciples that night. So he was with them early on, and he said, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Then he leaves later on on the night of the resurrection and goes and meets up with these guys walking on the road to Emmaus. But then he comes back and says this. Notice it's a longer commissioning. Why? Because he's already seen the disciples once. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, this is written, Christ will suffer and rise from the dead, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So, just to go back to our timeline, just to go back to our timeline, 
you have the first Great Commission text, John 20, 21, the night of the resurrection. Jesus leaves, talks to the people on the road to Emmaus. He comes back, and he gives the disciples a second Great Commission, Luke 24. Again, same night of the resurrection. Now, let's just unpack this Great Commission text Let's unpack the Luke 24, 47 and see if it's different than the John 20, 21. Just to recap, John 20, 21 says this, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Completely different than this commissioning. Not one similar word. And it makes sense because it happened on a different occasion later on that night. Listen to what Jesus says later on the night to the disciples on the night of the resurrection. This is written. This should not be a surprise. Everything I I explained and that I'm about to do should not be a shock. I told you from the beginning. He says who he is. I am the Christ. He says what he did. I will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. He says how you should respond. Repentance. He says what happens if you respond correctly. Forgiveness of sins. He shows the scope of where this should be preached, not just to white, wealthy Westerners, but to all nations. And he tells them where to start. Start here. Totally different than, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Why? Because they're a little more able to understand. This is written, Christ, that's who I am, should suffer and die. That's what I did. Repentance, that's how you respond. Forgiveness of sins, that's the benefit of responding appropriately should be preached to be where to the ends of the earth beginning in Jerusalem. Why beginning in Jerusalem? Why do you tell them beginning in Jerusalem? Because Jesus was crucified over Passover. The entire world who were Jews came to Israel. Three times a year, if you were a Jew, you had to travel back to Israel. One of them was the Passover. So literally, Jews from Egypt were in Israel. Jews from Algeria were in Israel. Jews from France were in Israel. Jews from Turkey were in Israel. So when Peter stands up in Acts chapter 2 and begins to preach the gospel, there are Jews from all over the world. The book in your Bible called Romans... The church in Romans was started not by Paul the Apostle. He'd never been there before he wrote the letter. The church in Romans was started because a Jew was in Jerusalem in Acts 2, heard Peter preach, and then went back to Rome and began a church. So there was a reason Jesus says, listen, disciples, listen, listen, listen. You're going to want to go back home to Galilee. You're going to want to, listen, guys, you're going to want to leave here. You're going to want to get out of here. Stay here. Start here. Teach them this. Two people weren't there, though, that night. Two people weren't there. I forgot who wasn't there. Thomas and Judas. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when he gave the first two commissionings on the night of the resurrection. The other disciples met him and said, man, we have seen the Lord, Thomas. And Thomas, of course, gives what he's famous for, doubt. Unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and the place of my finger and the mark of his nails and place my hand in the side, I will never believe. Oh, wow. 
What a huge help for our timeline. Oh, wow. What a huge help for our timeline. Whenever Thomas is there, it is now eight days later. Watch what happens in Mark. Afterward, he appeared to the ten. No. Guess who's now here? So on our timeline, it's eight days later. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief. There's that category of them. Why do you doubt? And then he gives the third Great Commission text in chronological order eight days after the resurrection. He says this, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Before we unpack this Great Commission text, I want to show you where this is on the timeline. So the first Great Commission text, John 20, 21, the night of the resurrection. The second Great Commission text, Luke 24, the night of the resurrection. Eight days later, how do we know that? John 20, 26 gives us the breadcrumb. Eight days later, John 20, 26 says, Thomas is now with them. So, the Great Commission text that Mark hands us is not on the night of the resurrection. It's going to be the eighth day. Now, listen and hear if you hear anything different from the previous. We've had two Great Commission texts. Let me just repeat them so that we understand what we've heard before we go into Mark. John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Luke 24, 46 to 48, this is written, Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Do you hear anything different eight days later as Jesus says this? He has yet to use this word. None of the other Great Commission texts has the G word in it, gospel. He tells us what to proclaim. Go and proclaim the gospel. You're not going to venture off too far from the path if you say the gospel is this. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And us inviting that into our life. I mean, if you had to boil it down to what is the gospel, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ in us appropriating that in our life. You're not going to get too far if you say that. He says, go and tell all the world, proclaim all the world the gospel that I was born, that I lived, that I died, that I rose again, and they must respond. And watch this. He says, to all nations. No, doesn't say nations. To all creatures. No, doesn't say creatures. He expands it. He says, this thing's so good, tell squirrels, trees, and shrubs. Romans 8, 22, the creation will be changed. It groans, waiting for the redemption that was cursed in Adam. Go and tell the good news to all creation. Chronological order, the first Great Commission text takes place in John 20, 21. The second Great Commission text takes place in Luke 24. The third Great Commission text takes place eight days later. How did I know that? Because Thomas is now with him and John told me that. But the the, the fourth Great Commission text, there's something pretty interesting about this one. Something pretty interesting about this one. So in Israel, when you open your Bible in the map section, you're going to look down at the maps and there's two C's 
that correspond to help you identify the geography of Israel. The first sea is in the north, and it's called the Sea of Galilee. And the second sea is in the south, and it's called the Dead Sea. And there's the Jordan River that runs about 100 miles from the Sea of Galilee into the Dead Sea. 75% of everything Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John took place in Galilee, this area up here. This is all Galilee right here. Every now and then, he would walk down here, kick the beehive in Jerusalem, and then he'd walk back up. But just know this, it's a seven-day walk from Jerusalem to Galilee, okay? You had to obey daylight hours, you had to avoid thieves and robbers, you had to obey Sabbath rest, you had to go in groups. So, just to recap, two seas in Israel, Sea of Galilee, Dead Sea, most of the time you read the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it takes place up here. Every now and then they take the seven-day trip to Jerusalem. Well, where were the disciples on the night of the resurrection? They were in Jerusalem. And where were they when Jesus ascended? Just outside the gates of Jerusalem. Where are they right here? They're still in Jerusalem. Matthew 28, the fourth Great Commission text. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped, but some of them doubted. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain that Jesus had directed them. So picture this. Here the disciples are. They're in Jerusalem, in the upper room. They're hearing the Mark 16, 15 commissioning. Go and preach the good news to all creation. And then Jesus says this. Disciples, I will meet you in seven days in Galilee. So start walking in the morning. And go to Mount Arbel, where I taught you most of the time the things I wanted you to learn. Do you remember that mountain, Mount Arbel? In Gal- go there, and I will meet you there in seven days. So, when I read Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's not happening in Jerusalem. It's happening in Galilee. Now, you can imagine these seven days the disciples are walking north, and they're asking this question. Peter, 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 did he literally say, go to the mountain? And Peter's like, you heard it, yes. And for seven days, they're like, what is going to happen? Because only a few times Jesus told the disciples to go to a mountain. The first time was when he called them disciples on the mountain. The second time was when he gave the longest sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. The third time is when he went and he transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. For seven days, anxiety's building. What's going to happen? But it makes sense. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the longest Great Commission text. And it makes sense because these are all the disciples, except for Judas, was from Galilee. Acts 1.11, men of Galilee, why do you doubt? So these disciples get to go home. How exciting are these disciples? Did he say we can leave Jerusalem where they're killing Christians? Oh my goodness. We can get out of here and we can go home. So whatever you read, whatever you read in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 happens. You got to give them at least seven to 10 days to get to Galilee 
but then they got to get back to Jerusalem, so you got to give another seven to ten days to get back. So for the sake of simplicity, I put the Matthew 28, 18 through 20 commissioning about middle way, day 20. I know they're not in Jerusalem, they're in Galilee, and I know they're back in Galilee on day 40. So whatever happens, and see if you can hear anything different. See if you can hear anything different. Let's just recap the, the, the Great Commissions thus far so that when we read Matthew 28, you can observe if you see anything different. John, uh, John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so send I you. The first Great Commission text in chronological order. Luke 24, 46 through 48, this is written, Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in my name to all nations. The second Great Commission text. Eight days later, Mark 16, 15, go and preach the gospel to all creation. Two weeks later, we have this in Galilee. Whatever's up here next, do you see any new information? It's the longest of all of them, and it makes sense. They're safe. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you. I mean, this is filled with new information. It's the first time he mentions all authority in the Great Commission text. He says, if you are making decisions about your life on your zip code and your job and who you marry and where you work based on your own desires, you are doing it by robbery because you do not have all authority. If you are making decisions in your life based on where you live zip code, based on based on your job, based on your comfort zone, based on where you don't want to go and where you want to go, instead of saying, Lord, where do you want me? You are doing it by robbery because he has all authority. Listen to what John Stott says, the leading scholar of Christians in Europe who died a few years ago. We engage in evangelism not because we want to, not because we choose to, not because we like to, but because we've been told to. But how many people that you know have said, missions, oh, that's really not my passion, as if it's our option? Oh, I don't really have a heart for missions. It's not my spiritual gift. I took the test and malaria did not score high. Uh, Hep B wasn't on there either. Hospitality was. Um, I'm not called. I'm, 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 uh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of ministering where I'm planted. I sought counsel and they said I should stay and live in self-absorption. It was awesome. I heart them. The risen Lord has commanded us to go to preach and make disciples and that should be enough. But you know, every Christ follower you know justifies their inactivity of why they shouldn't be involved in missions. We're so good at it. 
We're so good at it. He has all authority, but he also tells us to go to all nations. It's not just about America. It's about the nations, all nations. And what are we supposed to teach him? We're supposed to teach him all that I've commanded you. That's three alls in this small passage. All that I've commanded you, yeah, Lord, but guess what? I have anxiety and social issues, and I, I, I'm, I'm relationship dependent, and I have sin, I have addictions. That's okay, because I'll be with you always. In this short commissioning, there's four alls. All authority, all nations, all that I've commanded you, and all ways. And you realize, of all, of all the commit, if, if we did not have the Matthew 28 commissioning, you and I, our mission would be to go to make converts of Christianity. Lead them to Christ, then leave them. Our mission would be world evangelization. But guess what? It's not just about world evangelization, because Matthew 28 gives us another understanding. It's about making disciples. So you don't just make converts, you have to make disciples. Matthew 28 is the fourth Great Commission text. The fifth Great Commission text in chronological order, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, he was looking up, he was lifted up, and he was taken in the clouds. Oh, wow, that's a nice little breadcrumb on where this happened chronologically. The fifth Great Commission text, where does it happen? How do I know the fifth Great Commission text didn't happen on the night of the resurrection? Because Jesus ascended. It didn't happen in Galilee because Jesus ascended in Jerusalem. The fifth Great Commission text takes place, Acts 1-8, right here on the, the, the day of the ascension. So let's just see if there's any new information in the fifth Great Commission text. Let's just recap so that we're crystal clear. John 20, 21, the first Great Commission text in chronological order on the night of the resurrection, as the Father sent me, so send I you. The second Great Commission text in chronological order, Luke 24, later on that night, this is written, Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Eight days later, as John 20, 26 tells me, eight days later, Thomas is now there. Mark 16, 15 is given. Go and preach the gospel to all creation. Two weeks later, Jesus sends him seven days north to Galilee, and he says the longest Great Commission text, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and Lord, I'm with you always, even in the age. Acts 1-8, see if you see anything different. See if you see anything different. See if you see anything different, and guess what? You do. Power. This is the first one I mentioned, the power of the Spirit. It's not about your abilities, it's about your availability. Witnesses, we are his witnesses. If you opt out, there's no plan B. And he tells us this from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. What that means is this, Christianity will never have a center home base there's no center of the keepers of Christianity. It's always moving. 
from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends. The center of Islam is Mecca, Saudi Arabia. The center of Hinduism is Varanasi, India. The center of Buddhism is Lumbini, Nepal. The center of Christianity is there's not one. It's geographically always on the move. Now, let me tell you a very common way you hear this preached. This is one way to preach the text, and this is the most common way you hear it preached. From Jerusalem then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. And so, here's the way you hear this message preached. Let's just say I'm a pastor and you're here morning service and we're talking about Acts 1-8. Brothers and sisters, as I unpack for you Acts 1-8, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, Jerusalem, that's here. That's in Hickory Corner. This is our Jerusalem. And we need to reach our Jerusalem. And once we've reached our Jerusalem, then we can move on to Judea, America. And once we've reached America, we move on to Samaria, Europe. And then when we've reached Samaria, we move on to the ends of the earth. But brothers and sisters, God, this is your Jerusalem. It preaches well. It keeps people here. It puts priority on us. It keeps resources in our culture. And it justifies my inactivity. I don't need to go over there when I'm here. It's perfect. Where was the last place the disciples wanted to be? Jerusalem. Where were they killing Christians? Where was the most dangerous spot on the earth for the disciples? Maybe Jesus says, go into the most dangerous spot first because if not, you'll never make it there. Maybe a better interpretation is this. In, go and make disciples in Jerusalem. That's Iran, Iraq, Vietnam, North Korea. Then Judea, the Middle East. Maybe we should look at it from the hardest places deserve first priority. But how do most people preach it? The way that makes me feel most comfortable to stay in my own culture and just do whatever I'm doing. Instead of challenging me, no. We need to make it our priority to go to the nations. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, what I want you to, I want to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this 
in the way most of your Christian friends read this, okay? Every Christian friend you have back home reads this commissioning like this. Here it is, ready? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Then, in Judea, then, in Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. How does that change the whole challenge? You, you, you know a then, then Christian when they come up to you and say, man, why in the world is Kids Alive doing so much work over there when we have such a need here? That's a then, then Christian. Why would we send so much money, resources, and manpower to the Middle East when there's still loss in my neighborhood? That's a then, then Christian. We have to reach here first, then we'll give them the leftovers. It's not a then, then. It's and. It's simultaneous. Your church needs to have a passion and a presence both locally and globally. Simultaneous, that's how you reach the nations. You can't forget your own nation, but you can't forget the other nations. So, five great commissioning texts, two the night of the resurrection in Jerusalem, one eight days later in Jerusalem, one in Galilee, one back in Jerusalem. These are the last words of Jesus, and look at what's on his heart. Yet what do I do? I don't like this. This is too convicting because now this is my problem. And so what do I do? I take all five Great Commission texts and I lump them into one Great Commission at the end of Jesus' life that he almost forgot called Matthew 28. There's one, I say there's one verse on missions, one verse on snake handling. I don't do either. Because as a white, wealthy Westerner who wants to be self-absorbed and live where I want to live, this is too convicting. So I don't want to hear about the five Great Commission texts that Jesus spoke the very last hours of his life. Instead, I want to say, no, it's optional. So what I do is I say, I need to move the Great Commission to the Great Suggestion. How do I do that? I take all five commissionings and I say there's only one hidden in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, that's the only Great Commission text. It's just for a few who die, who, who never marry and have social personality issues. But everybody else who have three kids and a mortgage and a boat, they're not responsible. So I take, to do that, to move from this to the great suggestion, I've got to take all five and condense them into one. And it moves it from the great suggestion to the great option. So I, I, I need to, in my world, I take it from the great commission. I don't like that. To the great suggestion, to the great option. And then finally, I completely justify my inactivity if I'm not called. And it becomes the great omission. Just like that. Not my problem. When all that has been said and done that can said about this issue of the Great Commission... The greatest mystery is why those who are charged with rescuing the lost have spent 2,000 years since the time of Christ doing other things 
good things, perhaps, but have failed to sin and be sin until all have heard the liberating word of the life of Christ. The lost condition of human beings breaks the Father's heart. What does it do to ours? So just before we take a break, I want to share with you an option if you're a part of a church to consider if you're interested in your church learning more about the mission of God. We started a ministry called Mission Revolution where every Sunday we speak at a church. On Sunday morning, we'll do a big picture of what is the mission of God and his desire to reach all nations. It's challenging, convicting, it's humorous, but at the same time, it helps people understand they are responsible. And then we cater lunch from 1 to 1.45. We have an optional meeting. All those a part of your church Sunday morning, we invite back for an optional meeting. From 1 to 1.45, we have a 45-minute optional session called the History of Missions. From 2 to 2.45, we have an optional session called the Task Remaining, where we walk through some of the stuff we're going to be walking through in the next half. And from 3 to 3.45, we have an optional section called the Global Christian Lifestyle, which you're going to hear tonight. And so what this does, if you're a part of a church and you're like, man, how can I like, really help people in the pew get the Great Commission, bring, bring in a mission revolution, and in one day you can kind of see, hey, wow, we had 700 people at morning service, 125 came back for the optional three sessions, and now from that 125, we're going to formulate really a, a, some challenges to mobilize our whole church. So anyway, if you're here and you have any clout with your pastor back home, grab one of these brochures on the book table back there, and I would love nothing more than a reason to come to Cincinnati, Louisville, Wooster, or wherever you're from, so grab one of these. Let's take a break, and we'll come back for some question and answers.